Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is Go for the Gold. Go for the Gold, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. Now, we started out in Matthew seven thirteen to 14. We talked about the narrow road. And then we went to Hebrews 12 to figure out how to stay on this narrow road that Jesus talks about. And he gives us, gives us some coaching tips. And the first coaching tip we looked at was to take off the sweats, which is anything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And then we talked about not stopping. The second part coaching tip was don't stop, which was lesson in perseverance, the whole persevering. And then last week we talked about keeping our eyes on our coach, Jesus, who's perfecting us. And boy, if you didn't hear for that one, that's a powerful thing that Jesus is doing in our life. He's perfecting us. And that's what the whole Derek Redman video is about. It just, and once again, you can go on the podcast and, and watch that and listen to that. But the final coaching tip is today in Hebrews 12.3. But let me pray first. Father, we thank you for the worship today. We thank you for the many struggles that you've brought us through today. And many of us may, just like Derek Redmond, might have fallen flat on our face this week. And yet, here we are, asking for your grace once again. We just pray that your spirit would speak to us through your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, I'll read all three verses to start off with. But he starts off saying, coaching tips, remember this? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And I'm going to focus on three and come back to the end of two toward the end there. But the first is with verse three, it says, talking about Jesus, Coach Jesus, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And not only in this, this coaching tip I call follow Coach Jesus' example, not only do we keep our eyes on Jesus, but we also follow his example. Not only is he coaching us, but he has also been through it already. Every, anything you can imagine going through, Jesus has been through. And, and I don't know if you've ever had a coach like that. It's great when you have a coach who not only can tell you what to do, but also you know they've experienced it. It really is helpful saying, yeah, I remember, remember some of my coaches. Yeah, I remember going through the same thing, same injury, same struggle, same pain. And it really was helpful to know that they could share, really relate to our experience and also know what the coach accomplished. Some of my coaches were great athletes. And it was always nice to know that, hey, they already had reached this time or this goal. And it was just an inspiration to, to us to to do the same thing. And it says here, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men. Anyone who really follows Jesus Christ is going to face opposition. We're going to face it. In fact, in 2 Timothy 3.12, it says this. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's a fact. 
In fact, it's a fact. If you, if you truly follow Jesus Christ, you will face, we will face persecution. We will face opposition. If we never face that, guess what? <laughs> we don't want to go there, right? If we're not facing opposition, we're not facing persecution, if we're not getting any of that, then we're not probably, well, we are, definitely. The Bible's clear. We're not follow, truly following Jesus Christ. It's a fact that we're going to face it. But if we do follow Jesus Christ, want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, we're going to face lots of garbage. We're going to face it at work, in our social circles, in our neighborhoods, in school and college, on the teams that we're in. We're going to face it. And it's easy to get worn down, isn't it? Do you ever just feel worn down by it, by just the, the, the spiritual opposition from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed? It's our culture now. It's, it's, it's against Christ now, post-Christian culture. But we, we have to endure it, just like Jesus. We have to endure it. We have to endure the, the, the jokes and the, the gossip and turn on the radio and all that. It's like, it's like everywhere you turn, it's like secondhand smoke. You know, secondhand smoke, you may not be smoking, but the smoke still is, is bugging you. It's, it's killing us. Well, that's really what we're in. When we're, as a Christian, it's like secondhand spiritual pollution that's hitting us and affecting us. And, and sometimes we just get sick of it. But the key here is not only to keep our eyes on Jesus, which we talked about last week, but we have to follow his example. He endured. He made it. He finished the race. He went through the agony. If you were here last week, you know what I'm talking about, the agony, the same word for race, right? And he went through it, and that should inspire us. That should encourage us. That's what gives us the hope that we can do it too. Anybody ever hear Roger Bannister? Roger Bannister, uh, a great runner. When Roger Bannister was running, he ran in the 1950s, and no one had ever broken the four-minute mile. In fact, a lot of the experts didn't think it could be done. A lot of people had gone 401, 402, 401. They could not get under four minutes. So it was one of those, like, unbreakable barriers. You know, they just didn't think they were ever going to be able to, to break that four-minute mile. But Roger Bannister was determined to do it. And, in, uh, and he was training himself, and, and he, he, he had some very unusual training techniques. First of all, he was a doctor. He was a doctor, so he didn't have a lot of time to train like the ones who spent all their time training. So he had to just really focus his training. So he, would, he, would really, he wouldn't run as long, but he would really be intense with what he did. And he, when he would hit a wall, instead of going to the track and running harder, he would go up into the mountains and just hike with a friend. They would just start hiking and, and just get away from the track for a week and just hike in the mountains. He'd come back fresher and run faster. And I think that's kind of a good lesson for us, isn't it? That one size doesn't fit all. We don't, sometimes people say, well, if you're going to be a Christian, you've got to read your Bible this long, and, and you've got to read this, this, this many chapters a day, and memorize these many chapters, and spend an hour on your knee every day, and they, they give you these formulas for spirituality. But I tell people, listen, one size does not fit all. What works for one person doesn't work for someone else. We're all different. The key is find the way that you can connect to God. You might just have one verse a day that you really focus on it and really let it just really go deep. You might not do a great job praying on your knees. I, I'm so ADD, I can't stop and pray any. i got to be walking. I was up this morning early. I have to be walking to pray. That's how I pray. But you people, you say, you've got to be on your knees. And like, no, I, I finally figured out God doesn't care how we pray. He just wants us to pray. And, and it, the point is that God, however you can connect to God spiritually do it. Do it. God's word is key. Praying is key. But however it happens, it happens. Let God work in your heart. But also, it helps to get away. 
Roger Bannister could have just gone out in that track and burned himself out, but he, finally, he knew not only going up and hiking did something for him physically, but it did something for him mentally. And it's important sometimes we're in that grind to get away, to take that sabbatical time, to, to just get away from it all and, 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 and spend time quiet, reflecting with God. So he has this crazy, he wasn't on this team, he didn't run miles, miles. He ran hard, but, he, but, he, but he, he really wanted to try to break this. And finally in 1954, he broke the impossible barrier. He ran a 359, it was stunned the world. I mean, it's hard for us to understand now, but at that time it shocked the world, shocked everybody. And, it, and what it did is it broke a psychological barrier, too, because only 46 days later, someone else broke it, too. After all those years, no one could break it. 46 days later, uh, an Australian, by, Roger Bannister was from uh, Great Britain, uh, an Australian by the name of Landy broke it. He ran a little bit faster, ran 359 or high 58, whatever, but he broke it. And, and so that was the turning point. That showed people that they could break this record. Interestingly... They raced each other. They had never raced before. But later that year, in the British Empire Commonwealth Games in Vancouver, British Columbia, Bannister and Landy were going to race each other. And they called it the Miracle Mile because the two people that had gone under four minutes were going to race each other. And they started out running, and the Landy guy was, was in the lead the whole race. He was in the lead. He was about 10 yards ahead, staying in the lead, and it looked like he was going to win the race. But as they went around the last curve, Landy looked back to his left to try to see where Roger Bannister was. Remember we talked about that? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Never look back. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind his straining toward what is ahead. If you missed it, get the CD. He looked back to his left, and guess where Roger Bannister was? Passing him on the right. And, and Landy later said, you know how salt, uh, you know, they, made a, they actually have a bronze statue in Great Britain of this, of, of Landy looking to the left and Bannister going around on the right. And Landy said, you know how Salt's wife looked back, uh, Saul, uh, Lot's wife looked back and turned to salt? Well, I looked back and turned to bronze because they have this bronze statue, right? <laughs> and he passed and beat him and Roger Bannister won the race because he looked back and he ran it in 358. The Miracle Mile. But after that, everybody could break it. Now today, any world-class runner can break four minutes. Anybody. Some people here may have broken it. How fast, Jeff? How fast? <laughs> Not that fast, right. <laughs> but, uh, but any world-class runner now can break four minutes in the mile it, because the psychological barrier was broken. And that's what Jesus did for us. He broke this barrier, this this race barrier, this, uh, he went, he, he defeated the agony, the race for us, so that we know we can do it too. With his help, with his coaching, we can do it too. And not only did Jesus face the, the persecution and the, the temptation and the suffering that we've been talking about the last few weeks, not only did he live a victorious life in the face of that suffering and the persecution and the temptation, but he also ran the worst race slash agony possible when he went to the cross. In fact, let's back up there in Hebrews 12. I didn't finish verse 2 last week, but it says here, 
Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He went through the worst race imaginable. And it wasn't just the pain, but it says here, the shame. The cross wasn't all about pain, but it was horrible pain. It was the worst pain they could invent. The, cru- the, the Romans didn't invent crucifixion. They just perfected it. They perfected it. And it's the worst pain, the most horrible way they could kill somebody slowly. That's the idea. They wanted to do it slowly, kill someone slowly. But they also wanted to totally shame somebody. It's hard for us to understand today because today everybody's got crosses on. Everybody got a cross around your neck or on your ears. You know, everywhere's crosses. They're gold crosses. And even when they're wood and they're, they're still kind of cool, the cross. You know, even a lot of rock stars and pop stars have crosses around their necks, right? No big deal. But it's like... Really, it's like wearing a hangman's noose or an electric chair. And, you know, that's what it'd be like. It's like gruesome. It's, a, it's an execution tool. It's a torture tool. And that's why when we wear it, that's what we're doing. We're, we're, we're remembering a, a, a gruesome thing. It was a, the, a, a torture tool, but it was also the ultimate shame. It was the worst way they could think of killing somebody, hanging them on this cross along the Romans used to hang hundreds of people lined up along the, the road to warn people and they would hang them on the cross Spartacus I mean the whole story of Spartacus and and they also would shame them they would strip them down naked now it doesn't say in the Bible that Jesus was naked but but that's usually how they crucified people they would try to totally shame it was shameful to be killed on a cross it wasn't just the pain it was the shame Think of the most shameful thing that could happen to you today in our culture today. Nothing compared to what Christ went through on the cross. But it says here in Hebrews that Jesus scorned the shame. He scorned it. Because why? Because of the joy set before him. And what was the joy set before him? It says it right there. He said he sat down on the throne of God with his father. At the right hand of God. He was co-ruler with God his father. Now, that was his place before he came down to earth, but he was resat there again. And, and he sat down, and that was the joy that he was right there with his father. But more than that, it wasn't just that he sat down on the throne with God, but also someone else got the benefit from this. It was our salvation, the joy, his joy was not just that, but it was our salvation that he has made a way for us to connect with God, his father, again. That was the joy that he had. In fact, in Ephesians 2, in Ephesians 2, 6 and 7, it says this. Listen to this. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Understand that? Not only is Jesus seated next to God, but we are seated there too. Once, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are positionally We're still living here on earth, but our spiritual position is seated with Jesus Christ next to God the Father. We now have access to God on the throne through Jesus Christ. Isn't that wild? In order that, verse 7, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. That was the joy. Not only was Jesus seeing himself at the finish line, Embraced by his father. He was seeing us 
at that same place. And that's what our joy should be. That's what should keep us going. No matter what race we're facing, no matter what agony we're going through, no matter what we're going through, like Derek Redmond there, our salvation is that joy that we have right now, the life, new life we have right now, and knowing someday that God is going to be there to greet us and to, to reward us at that finish line someday. I know I've talked, I think I used this not too long ago, but it's just perfect again. The whole Carrie Strug story, Carrie Strug 1996 Olympics, does anybody remember watching that? So many of us were glued to the TV, the gymnastics. It was the last round, the U.S. and Russia were neck and neck. It was coming down to the last event, the, the, um, what was it, the vault, the vault. And and Carrie Strug was, was really good at it, but she was hurt. Remember, she hurt her ankle and she had trouble, and she was going to try to do it, and so she went to the vault. She was the last American going. She had to have this really great score in order to get the gold medal for the U.S. And remember what happens the first time she vaults? She does her whole thing, spinning in the air, and lands and falls because her ankle is in so much pain. She couldn't do it. Remember being, oh no, the whole country's watching. What's going to happen? Those evil Russians are going to get the medal, right? You know, we were so upset, you know, and, and poor Carrie struggling, and she was like crying, and and the coach, what was his name, Bella Crowley. Crowley? Thank you, Bella Crowley. Bella Crowley's like, you can do it. You know, Bella, he's so funny. You can do it. You know, he tells, he still tells that story. What he said, you can do it, and and so Carrie Strug. Ankle all wrapped up, wounded, tries it one last time. I remember like it was yesterday. She does her old spin, lands on one foot, sticks it, and she's holding it there, just trying not to fall over, and she holds it long enough, and she crumples to the ground. And Bella Crowley comes running out and grabs her, hugging her, carried her to the gold medal stand, and they win the gold medal. Do you think Carrie Strug remembers the pain? What does she remember today? The gold medal. The joy. And it's the same with us. The joy set before us. There is pain in this race. There's a lot of questions and a lot of doubt and a lot of battles to fight, right? And yet, we, we, we focus on, on the joy. And our joy is the same as Jesus' joy. Where did Jesus focus on that joy? On the cross. The narrow road leads us to the cross of Jesus Christ. There is no joy without the cross of Jesus Christ. This race can only go one place, the cross of Jesus Christ. Have you come to the cross of Jesus Christ? Have you ever come and put your faith in Jesus Christ? That's the only way to God the Father. That's the only way to life. That's the only way to victory. That's the only way to make any sense out of this crazy life of suffering is through the cross of Jesus Christ and by putting our faith in him. In fact, in Ephesians 2, it says, once again, verse 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the 
coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Now get this. You see what comes right after? For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. How do we get this life? How do we get this relationship with God? It's through the cross of Christ and it's through faith. It's through grace. Grace is free. You cannot earn it. It's a gift. It's an undeserved gift. And we can only receive that gift through faith. We cannot work our way into heaven. We can never be good enough. We can never please God in the flesh. You cannot do it by following religion and rules and and rituals. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. It's the only way. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? And if you have, if you've taken that step, you're a Christian, you know you're a Christian, not because you've prayed some prayer, but because your life has changed. And we've been talking about this the last few weeks. Just because you pray a prayer doesn't make you a Christian. There has to be a change in your life. If there's no change, no Jesus. No Jesus, no change. A lot of people think they're Christians. Wait till we get to go back to Matthew 7 and see what Jesus had to say about that. There has to be a light heart change, a life change. But if we have put our faith in Christ, it doesn't stop there. The, we're not done with the cross. We have to come to the cross daily. It's a daily coming to the cross and, and trusting him to help us in our daily walk and, and that daily surrender and letting ourselves be daily crucified. In fact, in Galatians 2.20, not only are we saved by faith, but we live by faith. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We are saved by faith, and we live by faith. There's a saving faith when we come to the cross, but then every day, all day long, it's that living by faith. God, I need you. I need you. I need your grace all day long. And that's what we're going to end with here, with the nailing to the cross. I'm going to pray in just a minute, but when the prayer time is done, we're just going to open up this time. If anybody feels led, you don't have to do this. This is totally voluntary. But, but we have a cross up here, and we have some pieces of paper and pencils, pens up here. And this is your chance to, if there's something that you want to do, is to nail something to the cross. Maybe... Maybe you've never become a Christian, and today's the day you take that step of becoming a Christian. And you nail that to the cross, you nail sin to the cross. Maybe you have become a Christian, but you haven't lived it, and you're going to nail self to the cross, and you write something that you want to nail. Maybe there's something that, that, a sin, or something that hinders, good or bad, or, or, or something that we need to surrender, or shame, or something, whatever, however God speaks to us the holy spirit speaks to us all differently each time but this is your chance to just come up and a couple of guys will be here to help you now if you have any trouble with it nobody's ever going to read this don't put your name but whatever you write no one's ever going to read it uh ed takes it and burns it and no one he doesn't read it it just gets burned and it's gone it's nailed to the cross but when if you if you feel led and you want to nail something to the cross just come up and write it down after our prayer time Nail to the cross and, and leave it there. Get ready for, for the Resurrection Sunday because we're pat, we're, we've left something at that cross. Let's pray.
How is God speaking to us during this time of prayer? Have you ever come to the cross of Jesus Christ? Maybe you're not sure if you're a Christian yet. You've done religious things and maybe gone to church, but you're not sure. If you were to stand before God today and he were to say, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? What would you say to God? I know what a lot of people say. They say, well, I've been good, I've been baptized, or I've gone to church, or done religious rituals, or never killed anybody, but there's only one answer in God's sight, and that's I put my faith and trust in your son, Jesus Christ, for my forgiveness. I put my faith in him. I've given my life to him. Have you taken that step of faith? You can come to the cross right now, right where you are, in your heart to God. Just say, God, I believe your son Jesus died on the cross for me and my sin. I repent of that sin. And I put my faith in Jesus. I ask you to forgive me through Jesus. I give my life to you, God. If you've taken that step of faith, I want to encourage you to nail nail something to the cross. But to let me know, let somebody know, maybe you have a friend here, a family member, let me know, call me, fill out the card. Let someone know so that we could encourage you spiritually and be excited for you. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, what do we need to bring to the cross today and every day? Maybe it's something that hinders. It could be good, bad, ugly, anything. But it hinders us spiritually. Maybe it's sin. A temptation that we're battling, which we talked about last week. We keep coming to God for grace for that. Mercy and grace. Maybe it's shame that we nail to the cross. Maybe it's surrender, something in our life that we need to surrender to God. To die daily so that we can live by faith. When you're ready, the cross is open. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would complete in our hearts what you're starting. In Jesus' name.